Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. And Sandra Flack is back with me. Hey there. Thanks for joining me again. I'm having a great time. Loving all the collaboration. Love our conversations. So inspired. We literally could talk for two weeks. I'm just telling you. And um, we are still covering the tiny handbook, Five Things for Adoptive and Foster Families and Churches Who Serve Them. And our theme this month has been five things your adopted or foster child would like to tell you. And today we're going to talk about the fifth one. I do want to be loved and accepted. It is my deepest desire, just like anyone else on the planet, but I don't know how to get there. Will you help me? Mm. So being the parent of a child from a hard place is tough. It's almost an impossible job. It's as if we are reading a roadmap in a foreign language. We must learn this new geography of attachment in order for the child to survive and then thrive. If we keep reacting to the behaviors in traditional parenting, parent and child will suffer again and again. We will traipse around the same mountain of disconnect until we have been until we have worn the trench so deeply we cannot see the light. So we have to train our ears and our responses and we have to focus on connection. And we have to, first of all, stop reacting emotionally. I know, and this is like a very painful truth and we talked a little bit about this on the last episode when we were talking about codependency. We must not participate in the luxury of a reaction. Think of connecting with your child as a full-time job with benefits. The benefit of an 80-hour work week of not reacting emotionally may be just a pinprick of light, a tiny smile, a hug, a cuddle, a conversation. So if you're confused about what I mean about reacting emotionally, just take a second here right now and think about something your child does that makes your blood boil. <laughs> one thing? No. <laughs> just, just one thing and focus on that. Do you yell? Do you threaten with grounding forever? Promise not to take that child anywhere again. I remember that was like one of my mom's things. It was like, I'm never taking any of you. There were five of us. Anywhere again, and that lasted till the next day. Or buy them anything again. And I am guilty of all of the above. So guess what happens in these scenarios? 
The kid has got our goat. The goat is in his pen. He lost. We lost. There's no growth. There's no connection. They don't feel loved and accepted. And that's their deepest desire. So I'm going to stop there and let you use tell you had an example you said of this yeah so reaction was that's I would react to certain behaviors or certain situations and I know with some of our older adopted kids especially those with an FASD um you know like what were you thinking and why would you do that and you know and then kind of give the lecture right and then issue consequences and then found ourselves in the very same place the next time there was an issue because with our kids consequences don't work Mm -hmm. Um, especially kids I have two diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and as foster and adoptive parents we have to become experts on trauma so if you're listening to this podcast and obviously you're listening, if you're hearing me say this, right, (laughs) but you're listening because you want to learn and you want to grow. So every book you read, every podcast you listen to every, all of that, you're educating yourself to be able to better parent your child with a trauma history. Our kids with trauma histories that come in through foster care and adoption very likely have um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I've, because my two youngest are diagnosed, I've made myself, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I am schooled in this because Mm. I've been researching and reading and listening to FASD specific podcasts. And, you know, along with that, I've learned so much because I believe it's 75% of the children in the United States that have an FAS in the foster care system. So if Mm -hmm. you're listening to this and you're a foster parent or you've adopted through the foster care system, it is very highly likely you have a kiddo that has some form of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So you have to become an expert on that to understand that and understanding trauma and understanding any capital letter syndrome like that, that applies to your kiddos. We need to know because it will transform our parenting and how we interact with our kids. And one of, one of my kids recently, one of my sons who's diagnosed FASD, who's 17, a senior, he's been in, we homeschooled for years, but then the past four years, he's been in school. We have, our district has a wonderful special education program, but I will, for a side note, say this, just because you have a special education teacher or other professionals, does that does not mean that they understand trauma yes. and or any capital letter syndrome specifically because FASD is actually more prevalent than autism but much less understood and much less diagnosed so we have to become the experts and we have to teach the teachers and the professionals about our kid right right so you know our one son was was doing um a vocational training program as part of his schooling. He was in his second year for welding. He's very gifted hands-on. Um, he's um, diagnosed FASD. He's um, very small um, physically, um, s- surgeries for scoliosis, a lot of skeletal things going on, abnormalities, mm-hmm. um, 
Dismaturity is very common in kids with an FAS, so much younger emotionally and mentally than chronological age. Um, also, if you have a child who's, who um, was born addicted, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or whatever, it's almost like a switch has already been turned on mm. for the propensity for them to go in that direction. Like they're at risk for right. that kind of thing. And, and the younger we get them and the more we do to be proactive in helping them connect with us and navigate these things, the more successful they'll be as, as adults. But there's a lot of things set up against them. So we discovered back in November, our kiddo up at this vocational training school was getting into a little bit of trouble. Mm. Um, now, we, we, he, had, he had gotten a driver's license and we started letting him drive up there because our school district, because of COVID and all of the different changes, they were only busing these students to this vocational program every other day. Mm. And we're like, well, he, you know, in his IEP, it says he needs consistency and repetition. So every other day is like not going to cut it, people. But you know, the school wasn't going to do anything about that. So we let him start driving up there. But the problem with that was he was getting up there very early. There was unsupervised parking lot time, you know, right. when, you, when you want to fit in, you want to be accepted, you want to be loved, um, you know, and kids with FASD have a lot of executive functioning challenges, mm-hmm. uh, have a hard time with impulse control, yep. higher reasoning, um, those kinds of things. So, you know, a little bit of trouble, um, a little bit of trouble in, in November, more, so more, we found out more recently. Um, and, you know, then I, we realized, my husband and I realized, you know what, he's got four months to go to get this welding certificate, but what good is a welding certificate going certificate going to do if at the end of it he ends up with addicted to drugs or alcohol or because he was gotten involved with a bad crowd up there you know I mean and this is a kid who's like a hundred pounds soaking wet if he's lucky um not even (laughs) five foot like yeah you know and um you know we realized we because of what we knew because of how much we've learned we knew we needed to pull him closer. Like we were feeling all of a sudden we realized some signs that we hadn't seen. He was, he'd been irritable and cranky and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I'm always like, is it because he's a teenage boy because I've raised several of them and they can be moody and irritable and cranky. Right. Right. Um, is it because of trauma? Is it because of the history of having been abandoned and then adopted? You know, is it because of the FASD? And the answer probably is yes. It's probably a combination of all of those things. But in the end, we have to parent our kid where he's at. Mm-hmm. So we made the decision, much of much to the dismay of some of the educators, to pull him out of the vocational training program. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have to say he has an amazing school teacher who we love. He his special education program. He was in this all inclusive class with the same teacher all four years, and she has gone to bat for him and loves him and has just gone above and beyond. And I can't say enough about her. She's amazing. And, you know, I was communicating with her every step of the way. And she was like, you are making the right decision. You're making the right decision. Now, you know, two days after we made the decision and the high school principal calls and she's like, now what can we do? Because he only has four months left and Mm -hmm. we would hate to see him not finish. And I said, well, this is the situation. And I just 
explained to her everything I knew about FASD in a nutshell and the statistics. And I just said, so this is how this is going to play out because I had homeschooled for like 16 years previously. And I have six adult children who I graduated and some of them have master's degrees and some of them, you know, have, you know, very good uh, careers in trades. Uh And none of them have a high school diploma or a GED or a Regents or ever took an SAT. So I said, so I know none of that. Like, I don't care about any of that really. And my kid was on the track for what they call a CDOS. So it's more of a career and vocational certificate. He wasn't going to get a general education diploma Mm -hmm. anyway. And the goal in the end, now we're very um, fortunate to have Um, My husband has a a construction business. It's an industrial construction. So there's piping and there's welding and there's concrete work and excavation and all that kind of thing. That's where my son is where he was working a little bit here and there anyway. And that's where he was headed. You know, so not everybody has that advantage, but we have that advantage. And I'm like, welding certificate or no welding certificate, when he graduates, whether you people graduate him or I graduate him from home, because with four months left, I could do it. Right. Uh, That's where he's headed. So this is how we're going to do this. He's going to go in the morning like he's been and work with his teacher. And then at 10 a.m., instead of going to the vocational training program, he's going to go to work in the family business. And you're going to count that as work study. Wow. That's good. That's (laughs) really good. Like they're they're doing what I want them to do. Good. So. But what we noticed is, and as soon as the trouble started to brew, the more recent trouble, we pulled him close. I like before the decision was made to permanently pull him out, you know, we told him that week of school, you will go to school in the morning to your school teacher. You will go to work for dad and then you will come home. So at Mm. work, we know who he's with and at home. So we pulled him close, you know, and that's the connection piece. And we've already noticed, and this has only been, you know, almost two weeks now. He's less irritable and less grumpy and less moody and more respectful and more. And it's all. And I, and what I'm realizing now is he was under stress in this program because he was in an environment that he was not ready for Mm. the welding part of it, the hands-on part of it. Absolutely. He's gifted in that area. That's his strength. The interaction with these other people and he had, there was two kids that were in his welding class that actually were in trouble all the time. And one was on probation already, you know, and they were the ones introducing him to the stuff that we would have never thought he would even pay attention to. But then, I mean, that was kind of naive of us because he's got a propensity for it because of his history. So we just realized, you know what? No, you're, we're pulling, he, it has improved in so many ways, his mood and his attitude because we've pulled him close. He didn't get the what were you thinking? What's the matter with you? Why would you do that? I mean, I really wanted to give that lecture. Right. <laughs> but I have learned over the years, it doesn't work because that phrase, what were you thinking, is actually very insulting to them because he has a brain-based disability with the FAS. And you know what? He was thinking. He just wasn't thinking what we would want him to think, mm-hmm. you know, and and the impulse control comes in there and just wanting to be accepted by these cool, big, older kids. He wanted to be one of them. Um, so we have to parent through the lens of our kids' history, right. through that trauma piece and whatever, you know, the capital letter syndrome is. We have to parent through that. And um, that that will help us to be much more successful because that connection 
is more important, you know, and if we would have lost that connection and our son was headed down a very dangerous road, you know, four months from now, that welding certificate wasn't going to do him any good anyway. Exactly. And I, you know, one of the, the points that you made indirectly we've talked about before is we adoptive and foster parents may seem over strict. Yeah. Because what you were doing was pulling him close to you for connection so he would feel loved and accepted before you made that huge change in his life for the better of him. But to an outsider, like a principal who's saying, what can we do? You know, he's only four months away. You know, that that kind of parenting seems over strict. So if you have somebody in your family that's fostering or who is adopted and they seem like they're being over strict, you know, don't judge them for what they're doing. They may be doing something for the betterment of their child in the long run. And another thing which you kind of pointed out, which I'm going to make even a little more clear, is that often kids who have had trauma in their past are judged more harshly for their behavior because when you have uh, feel alcohol syndrome disorder or ADD, ADHD, or any capital letter syndrome, Asperger's, or anything that could be because of trauma or a capital letter syndrome, and you don't have that executive function, you don't have that ability to say, hey, there's an adult around, I need to behave this way. But now the adult's gone because that's what kids from traditional homes indirectly are taught. You be good in front of the authority and then when they leave, then you can do something, but it's, and they may not be doing something that's horrific or anything. But if you don't have that executive function, then you're, you could be doing something and taking it over the line. And doing it in front of the adult figures. In fact, I wrote an article about that, how that teens who have been adopted or are foster kids are judged more harshly for their behavior. And I had that experience a lot with my kiddos when they were teens because I have four boys and they would just, you know, they would just go over the line. And that's, you can't, it's, it's hard to explain. And like you said, when you say, what are you, what were you thinking? Then that's not really the right thing to say because what they were doing was they were following the lead of someone else yeah. who they admired, but they just took it steps further than they should have without knowing that, that they were taking it further. Anyway, I'll link that article, which is also, it's just a little teaser, on trauma-informed parenting when it's live we talked about it's going to have bundles for you to become more trauma-informed if you're not trauma-informed at all you start with the beginner bundle if you have some you go with the experience bundle and in the experience bundle I have linked that article because I think it's really super important for us to understand that just because our kids are teens doesn't mean that they don't need that extra connection, that extra guidance, that extra support, and that extra trauma-informed understanding. So do you have any final thoughts? You hit the nail on the head, and I just, I, I just want to reiterate what I said a little bit ago, that we have to become the experts on our kids, and we can't just 
you know, believe that the professionals in our lives, the, the school teachers, the um, guidance counselors, if, unless they are educated in our particular kid, um, they're not going to understand, you know, like I, I, I think I've shared this on here before where, you know, in a parent teacher conference, they, you know, the teacher mentioned that my son had a problem, you know, like he just really has a hard time with impulse control. Mm. And right. It's like, well, yeah, that's part of FAS, you know, like I knew that shouldn't she know that, but they don't. And they I don't. just was listening to another another podcast on a, on a, that was a FASD specific. And there was a a doctor who was being interviewed actually out of the university of Rochester here in New York. And and they have a whole department dedicated to FASD. And she said all throughout her, um, you know, even grad school, she probably read a total of one paragraph about FAS. Wow. Wow. It's not taught. Right. We can't just assume that the professionals or our doctors, or the, the, the folks at school understand FASD. We have to become the professionals on whatever capital letter syndrome. And a lot of our kids are alphabet soup, right? There's all kinds of things right. going on. Um, but if you don't know anything about FASD, you need to, and if you're, especially if you're a foster or adoptive parent, my, my kids, my four kids came from Eastern Europe where alcoholism is prevalent. Yeah. And we knew that that was a high possibility that that could be the case with our kids. So two of those four are diagnosed. And then here, our daughter that we adopted through a kinship, the more I've learned, the more I'm certain that FAS plays into her. Um, and that's because, you know, I her mother was not an alcoholic, but her mother, you know, was... Um, didn't think she could get pregnant. She had some health issues. And so she was told she couldn't get pregnant. Hmm. She was a professional. Um, you know, she had a wonderful career and she would go out on the weekends with her girlfriends and, you know, they would go to the club or go to wherever. And so she probably drank casually, maybe every weekend, maybe every Friday wow. night. I don't know. But when she finally figured out she was pregnant, she wasn't married, but married the the, the father of the baby. Uh, I, I know her because I know she came, you know, she came because I had just had our, our, my firstborn and she was asking like, what kind of diapers are you buying? And what's the, you know, so right. she was going to be a first time mom, but until she knew she was pregnant, I believe she drank socially every weekend mm-hmm. you know, or maybe just every Friday night, but there is no known amount of alcohol to consume that is actually safe for a developing baby. No known amount that is safe. So it's prevalent in the United States as well. Um, And even in families that aren't families going through crisis that we, you know, would think of associated with foster care. Right. And then, you know, I'm and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent in this, but it is so relevant because I just heard on the news the other night, I heard a news story that um, drinking among American women during COVID has increased 41%. Gee whiz. So, and 50% of pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. So I've been telling the school teachers and the professionals at school that I encounter when I'm doing the IEP meetings and whatnot for my kids, get ready. And you need to know this stuff because our schools are going to be flooded with kids that are, you know, that have been exposed to alcohol in the womb. It's highly likely. So we need to know, you know, so whether it's Asperger's or autism or FASD or whatever and trauma, we have to become the experts in it. We can't just trust 
the professionals to know what they're talking about. Um, we need to become the experts because we're already the expert on our kid and right. we need to be their greatest advocate. Um, so that would be really my, you know, my heart for everyone to, to hear and take to heart. Well, and yeah, that's a great segue into what I wanted to finish up on is if you are a counselor or a social worker or a teacher, I've done trainings for counselors, bus drivers, CASA workers, social workers, and I've heard from so many of them, we were never taught any of this trauma-informed thing. We were never, and I did, I did a training for the, before COVID hit, for the whole county of school counselors, and um, the, the lady who had organized it and contacted me told me afterwards, she said, we just wanted you to talk about what to do about it, which I did. And she just said, We've, we don't know this stuff, and we're getting these kids left and right. And I remember being at another event at a HUD housing where we had gone to. I'd taken some of my teens, and they did some skits, and we were just talking. It was very informal, talking to the mothers. And afterwards, we were out on the playground, and this mother came over to me and to my teen daughter and she just, we didn't ask her any questions. She just started pointing out. She's like, that child has fetal alcohol syndrome. That one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And I was just blown away. And so was my daughter because she was only a teenager. <laughs> it wasn't something she, but we were just, yeah, we need to be prepared. We need to be trauma-informed as parents as if you're a professional working with kids, it doesn't matter if they're adopted or foster kids anymore. It's not just them, let me put it that way. It's all children. And churches need, and that's why I said, you know, I've said before, I'm putting, I have these bundles put together that will be on the new trauma-informed parenting website. So that even if you don't have your own children, but you work with kids, who have a capital letter syndrome or have fetal alcohol syndrome or any of the syndromes that we've talked about, you can start with the beginner bundle and start learning about how it affects the body, the brain, the biology, the behavior, the beliefs, and all of these things. So anyway, I keep talking about that over and over again. <laughs> so we will wrap it up. And starting next week, we will be talking about the section in the book, Five things you can do to help adoptive and foster families. So thanks for joining us today, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find positive adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me at positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.